Oh, I was going to ask you, did you see the Halloween Kills trailer? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, I'm trying not to prejudge because trailers are there to sell movies. Very true. Uh, and I feel like it was, I don't want to say it was like more or less than I expected. It just seemed very trailery to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, a bit. after i watched it i was like i don't think they're gonna do halloween too even though she was in the hospital for like a second it looks like they're trying to do some avengers with teenagers to kill him yeah so one thing i really more dead bodies i really liked and i feel is a perhaps a bit of a return to carpenterness in a way is that the commercial has a very coherent color story yeah and i think that the the david gordon green halloween did too it was a lot of blues and and kind of subdued gray tones and this one is a lot more garish red yellow orange yeah and like i like and like i mean in every shot she's wearing a red jacket you know in one of these shots he's wearing a red top like it's not just the fire stuff you know like it, it seems like there's a lot being kind of tied in here aesthetically yeah. at least it is a, it is a fire stuff because it didn't throw me off but i did notice how they kept going back to the big explosion then someone would pass then it would go back to him yep. killing firefighters, then going back to him again to kill more firefighters. But no, I definitely agree. Uh, they're really trying to put like the the big, aggressive, big kind of in-your-face sort of colors in, uh, thrown at you a lot. Um, I'm also interested to see if the season of the witch thing is just a quick allusion to the masks uh, in the season of so- the witch, or if it's going to be like a plot thing. I don't think it is. I was so happy. I got so happy when I saw those fucking ugly masks. I was like, they're doing it. They did it a little bit in the first one, but they're like, yes, yeah. they're leaning into it more now. No, nah, they're not going to do it, unfortunately. Even though these movies were shot a couple years apart, I'm just looking at the, the scene with the boyfriend in the hallway right now, sure. the boyfriend from the last movie. They all look about the same age. They don't look like they got a lot older which can be really hard to pull off when you're working with young people. Like it chapter two had a big problem with that. Yeah. I'm excited about it, but it was also a very trailery trailer. And I feel like I don't really know more about what we're getting into. Yeah. It is effective in a sense that they are basically pushing. He's the demon that must be killed. He's going to be killing the the body count is going to be minimum double in this new movie the stakes are high what are the stakes teenage lives i don't know but it's well just you big, see him kill an elderly big, big black fast. couple as well well yeah so he's just killing everybody now i'm just like is it not halloween anymore because it's gonna be weird if it's like <laughs> it's like november 3rd <laughs> yeah like oh shit no Halloween it, it, kills on thanksgiving so well they didn't actually say what time it was in the first movie. So it this was could literally after a high school dance. I mean, so nine o'clock? <laughs> I was gonna say like eleven. The dance wasn't technically over, if I remember they just peaced out. 
So it, it's it's legit probably like eight o'clock at, on Halloween. And so, well, it's, obviously the beginning, the firefighters, it, that has to be like 20 minutes later, something like that. So it's probably all just saying one Are you positing night. that it's 8.30? It is 8.52. <laughs> Lori gets to the hospital at 9.12. <laughs> this is all the same night. I think it's going to be all the is, same okay, night. Is it midnight rules, though? Like, does he turn into a pumpkin at midnight? Because that's not a lot of time. Or what is it time daylight zone are they using? rules? <laughs> is it daylight rules? Does he turn into dust? Like, well, canonically, he does not because he drives that station wagon around a lot in the original, original Halloween. I think they're going to fuck around and says when the sun shines on his body, he doesn't kill anymore. <laughs> it's November the and 1st. And he wasn't evil anymore. Sunrise, November 1st. The movie's ending. And then the he just like Halloween. takes the mask off, puts the knife down and like goes to work at his mechanics job. Like, basically gotta break change again <laughs> shit damn it <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> i think that's the this that's probably the great thing about horror movies you can just lean into the nonsensical and then mm-hmm. if you're quality enough or entertaining enough like you can get away with it yeah and so I think they're going to do it. I, I I have good feeling, and I never have good feelings about horror movie trailers, honestly. I, I have a good I, feeling about this one. I'm here for Judy Greer. I'm here for Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, I'm ready for them to bring it because it already seems like they're alluding to a subplot where they're trying to convince Lori she's Lori and the mom that they're crazy. Yeah. And I'm ready to see Jamie Lee Curtis like break some femurs to go try to protect the neighborhood kids. Yeah. Hey, what's up everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, the Godfather here. Special shout out to B hyphen and Handsome Bane for the Rasslecast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere. Podcasts or streams. So everybody, check them out. You know the Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. Smell your latest sweaty marks. You know the funny thing is, so seeing that trailer before Candyman and like they're going to be pumping out bodies left and right and this Candyman trailer like the Candyman movie they weren't showing none of those kills it was kind of weird like they only showed like the only gore real gore like not comedic like almost comedic gore was the the infection yeah the candy manning as it were He's he he went from a candy boy. Now he's becoming a candy man. Much like Kenny Omega said to Jungle Boy, "I'm gonna turn you into a jungle man." Those bees really walked up to to they Tony really... and said, "We're gonna turn you from a candy boy into a candy man." I mean, hey, <laughs> we all gotta go through it sometime. But bees nah. come for us all eventually. Ooh. This movie, man. This fucking movie. So <laughs> I'm sorry I made you sit through it, but also I'm really glad we get to talk about it now. <laughs> well, no, you you definitely didn't force me because originally when Candyman trailer came out, you know, what, 12 months, 14 months, whatever ago. 84 years ago, yes. Basically. I was super excited for it. And like every person I saw on the internet, all the people I knew, like we were all in. Like we're all in, and I know, too I was, was in. Yeah, and obviously it got pushed back for the year, whatever, whatever. But that just made it more enticing. Like it just mm-hmm. like you teased it, you gotta wait. You know what are we waiting for? Like we must be waiting for some wild ass shit to happen. And what I did a couple of weeks ago was I realized I actually had never seen the original all the way through. Mm-hmm. I saw like. Candyman Farewell to the Flesh when I was a kid but I never sat down just like A to B and watched the original and the original Candyman a lot of 
especially black horror fans really like the original Candyman. Someone basically said it's it's just like a, a vampire movie, which it, it kind of is. But for me, the biggest flaw in the movie was not the 90s, not the horridness of it. I think it was very much in line with any other sort of 90s horror movie as far as gore, kind of sort of nonsensical stuff, but it can still be entertaining. But the biggest flaw was it's kind of racial dynamics and mm. also what the kind of the underlying tones of like the racial sort of makeup of what the story was. And you had, you, did you watch Candyman the original yet? I got through half. I ran out of time. Uh, that's okay. So I can kind of break it down like really, really quickly, the flaws of it. So to me, the basic flaw of original Candyman was you can't really have, <laughs> you can't have the origin of, this this black guy who's he's murdered by this white mob and he's murdered obviously because he, he falls in love with this white woman and they murder him because he's black right and you can't have the origin of that pain to say this black person was violently killed and brutally assaulted by white people and then for whatever reason when he comes back as this you know phantom super villain you know generations later that he's killing black people along with white people it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense and i was i was digging into this a little bit right and i was trying to figure out if there was like a canon reason for that and the short answer is no the medium answer is some people definitely tried to justify it and i don't know that it landed well the only some way people can... were like he they didn't stand up for him and i was like because they didn't also want to get murdered <laughs> yo um, i don't think people know how you know i don't want to get super super in the weeds on this one but i don't think people know it's how kind of important work. though like like it just oh yeah just black people just let other black people get killed like oh well s- sorry tony you gotta yeah. go when you gotta go Suck, like sucks to suck homie like so and, oh my god I, I can't i can't give that real thought i just can't but i i read that and my eyebrows just like ascended into the stratosphere i was like are you fucking what so is black people fault black people are getting killed by white people okay good to know good to know bobby good to know that's, that's a nice scapegoat you made there yeah exactly in in the movie in itself the very beginning of it when he says they will say that i have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shedding with my hook for a hand i'll split you from your groin to your gullet like okay that's super flimsy and whatever and and again that's one of those horror movie things to where we just got to get from point a to point b and if it's super flimsy we don't give a fuck we just got to land a plane or whatever but that's like a super flaw like it wouldn't really make sense in the original for candy man to kill black folks it wouldn't really make sense and then also some of it as well it kind of has well you didn't finish it and so if you kind of watch it this point would make a bit more sense. Like there is a bit of like white savior in this that happens with the character. And also this other sort of weird dynamic of the entire movie, everybody hates black people. Like even, even the middle-class black woman, she's scared of black people in the beginning of the movie. And so there's no kind of, you know, mm-hmm. there's no real care when talking about black people in the original Candyman movie. And so the movie's entertaining, but it's it's inherently flawed. So mm-hmm. for for me, I gave it a two and a half stars on Letterbox, but I like it. Like I think it is a it is a decent '90s horror movie. Some of the effects are fucking gnarly. I don't know if you made it to the hospital scene yet. No. Okay, so there's I think like that one... might have been right where I stopped. Okay, there's like a scene that happens when he like exits the 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 hospital or you'll know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. like if you go back to it i think that shot is just fucking gnarly and for 90 if that to happen like 92 like it was like super bugged out but it was super cool so there's like 
there's like some cool imagery in the original one that makes up for the lack of story basically mm-hmm. and so i watched that you know thinking about how i'm even though this part of the movie is inherently flawed i think the baseline of candy man is good enough that you can make a compelling horror movie for and thinking about how you know jordan peele was kind of writing it and is that kind of producing it and just kind of assuming he would kind of pick up on that too and then elevate this new one mm-hmm. i was even more excited for this new one coming into it so i was definitely trying to watch it on bootleg i was not trying to go to the movie theater but i didn't want to watch it and so i was able to find a movie theater that was relatively empty uh, i think it was only like maybe 10 people in the whole thing because people were watching football yesterday or whatever mm-hmm. but oh man 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 this fucking movie was bad it was so bad it was so bad like monumentally disappointing like that's that's like the baseline of where i'm at with this movie but so what are your thoughts kind of going into this candy man and what were your kind of thoughts like after the movie i oh okay so going into this i had seen some reviews that were uh, leading me to believe that perhaps this was not going to be quite as good as I had hoped. Me too. (laughs) And this is interesting because this is something that I have noticed with movies recently, especially the Jordan Peele produced slash co-written movies. Yeah. Is that maybe, I don't know if they all have the same problem, but a lot of them seem to be very deeply flawed. Yes, we'll, we'll get to this. Yes, keep going. Yes, uh, keep going. I don't know if y'all remember Antebellum. That was kind of sharded out onto on demand, I think. And like people were angry at how bad that was because that trailer seemed really compelling and interesting. And um, they tell you in the first couple of scenes, hey, the villain is white people. And then it's just like an hour and a half of torture porn after that. But like, you know, the villain was white people, but like that doesn't make a more interesting or compelling point on top of that. Uh, So there's no suspense or mystery. It's just torture porn. Yeah. And I think this movie had that problem too, where they're like, okay, the villain is white people and gentrification. And we're like, okay. And they're like, so Candyman kills white people who are infringing on his home turf, basically. Okay, great. Except these two black kids that we're never going to talk about again. And this one Asian girl. <laughs> oh, okay. she left. She actually oh, left. Right. The she Asian girl. The Asian Shout girl out to her. Yeah. The smart one. I think there was one one vaguely Latinx girl who got murdered as yeah. well, though. But we don't need to get into that. Um, yeah. Okay, great. With you so far. And then you're like, okay. Okay. And? And? Yeah. And there's no and. They try to do this boondoggle where they're like, Candyman protects us. And I guess Candyman also needs to be regenerated every generation. Maybe. And I was uh, like, okay, but that's a weird thing to like leave out of the myth. But okay, I guess, except that their timelines are really janky. And theoretically, there's a 120 year gap between Candyman, which is longer than a generation so i uh, yeah but whatever um so then they gotta sacrifice him to the candy men it's weird that they have hooks every time right that that's a weird you gotta stick with a classic i guess i don't know so if we're gonna start going through this with a fine tooth comb uh let's start by addressing the the point that you brought up on twitter uh where you said well at least in this one candy man doesn't kill any black people and I say, except those two black two children black that he murders. Yes, I totally forgot. They zoomed right past that. I totally fucking forgot. Uh, which completely derails, like, the first thing they tried to fix, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, well, let's let's kind of talk about that aspect of it. So, that is a flaw that was apparent in the first movie. And then they could have retconned. They could have just eviscerated in this one, but they chose not to for some odd reason. And I just really don't get it. It would have been and, so easy to not include that one part too. 
very easy. And talking about parts that are easy to leave out, what was the whole thing about us watching his girlfriend's dad like jump out of a window when he was not a candy man? That was like, clearly from a, a draft of a slightly different movie that wound up yeah. getting left in there. Yeah, that was... I don't I'm know if thinking... that was supposed to be there to like justify why she had such an intense reaction to him like getting weird. But at the same time, like when he started getting weird, he started getting real violent and people <laughs> started dying around him. So I weird on you, his own. You, you didn't need to give me any sort of justification for why she was like, I don't want to be around this energy anymore. Goodbye, beloved, because I would have been gone too. Like they triggered this poor woman for no fucking reason. <laughs> like no reason. Anyone right. with common sense would have been like, yo, this man is for whatever reason, this weird energy is now growing around him in a very violent, strange way. Like what the hell is happening? People are dying. He's being super standoffish when people weren't dying and he wasn't being standoffish. So that was just a super weird kind of point, man. And also kind of going back to what you're saying as far as, you know, this is kind of, uh, this movie was a real ham-fisted. It was super heavy-handed. They taught us Calling about- ham-fisted seems real rude to ham. I mean, just shout out to you, Porky the Pig. I'm sorry, but like they explained gentrification four times. <laughs> okay, but also- can we just talk about can we talk about the fact that this movie was like, look at our beautiful, diverse cast of of black characters. Also, oh my god, queers! Oh my god! 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 They they didn't do a shit. <laughs> like it was like, yo, we we mad gay out this piece. Okay, well, can you help the story? Nah, bro, we just gay. <laughs> we're, we're here to explain it real quick in the beginning and critique your bad taste in wine. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! We're so bad! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh man! Like, on, okay, on on one hand, you can just give it a benefit of the doubt. Say, okay, they got some gay folks because gay folks exist. All right, but it's you like, know. But, but like, not all gay folks are like that. Not at all. And <laughs> I do think that's worth considering. Very much so. <laughs> oh, man. Because, like, that also took me out of it a couple of times. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, oh, we're back here. Man. And you know, you know the funniest shit? Like... So the the gay black brother, he's in this TV show on HBO where he is this uh, this gay guidance counselor, and he's like so nuanced. He's so subtle. I can tell so he was trying so hard to act through this bad script. Yes, and like, I think that's that's a big thing I noticed about this movie is everyone is trying to act through this bad script. Um, like they wasted like a lot of time. Doctor Manhattan. Doctor, this is the second movie or like a thing where this poor actor has to like play boringly competent man who is turned into monster at the end. <sighs> and like he felt so squashed into this role. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they wrote a very shallow part, and he came in with his like bulldozer of nuance and they were like no 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 no. here's a spoon <laughs> this is as deep as it can get yes you know what i mean so. like it's so mm, mm. everyone who wasn't i i feel terrible saying this <laughs> go for but it but i also don't uh everybody who wasn't black was a stereotype so it wasn't surprising to me when they all got murdered very much so like there's, like like we had the the sleazy art collector and his little like oh my god i like joy division i'm not like other girls sidekick <laughs> that he was making out with yeah which that scene could have been so impactful but it was so slick and choreographed 
that it didn't feel real. Like her, I was like their murders. Yeah. I, His I, reaction was so bad. Is this really happening right there? I don't know how to say it, except like the fact I could see the tape on the floor where they knew they had to stand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It had that energy. Oh. And so then I was like, oh, this is going to be a dream. They're going to wake up and they're going to have seen this in the mirror, but it didn't happen. Oh, no, it's real. OK. Oh, no. Uh, no. OK, great. Oh, that we're, that's the draft we're going with. The first one. OK. It is it is a movie. You don't have to do it live. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, was there anything positive that we can extrapolate from this movie? I think the, the directing was really beautiful. The colors were really nice. I think that the the use of mirrors was pretty clever because sometimes he was in there and sometimes he wasn't. And it was a different candy man. Sometimes it was generational, different ones, depending on how old the building was, Um, which I thought was pretty clever. It was the same candy man until the very end. They use you see you you see one of the other ones in in the old project mirror, not at the in the beginning, at the very beginning, before we even like knowingly summoned candy man. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if I'm going to watch this movie again. So I'm going to don't. Take your word it's not for worth it. it. Um, <laughs> but I think the aesthetic of this movie was pretty nice. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Now, you screwed I'm really me on reaching. Your, well, no. Well, was it a decently photographed movie? I would say yes. I think the church at the end, the interior of that was, was spooky enough. The coat actually was not good. The Candyman's coat in the original is 50 times better. We need to talk about the ending. Like, we desperately need to talk oh about the ending. God. The ending. You talk I... about a dismount. A, dis- a dismount to hell. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so bad. You have to understand. I was at this beautiful theater. If you ever come up to visit, I'm going to have to take you there. It's this restored theater that's been open since like 1918. And the guy has, and he's tied to the thing and he's like, oh my God, Anthony. she's like, oh my God, Anthony. And I just started cackling. I just, I could not do it anymore. It was like something broke open inside of me. And I just was like, are you shitting me? Oh man. But also, uh, one thing I will say I think that I really liked is that every I liked the paper puppets. I'm kind of iffy on that because the very opening scene, the and talk about like more like ham handedness, the, the black kid is, is playing with puppets and he's showing a cop killing a black person, which in the first that 10 part seconds, was very weird. Do we need that in the first 10 But also, seconds? why? Why? Is it implying that the laundry guy has all these puppets? Like this is his <laughs> puppet show? Like he's all is, Burke's per- puppet show. Is shows. the laundry guy God? Burke is God. That was what Candyman. The theme with Candyman, Burke is God. <laughs> right. This but like it'd be one thing if that was like touched like i liked the aesthetic of it i thought it was a really good way to tell those flashbacks without them being like yeah without like practically showing it or filming yeah right but i wish that they had either been completely removed from the story or like he had these puppets and he was making this happen but them kind of being like he has puppets and then never mentioning it again like the take that Burke is God is a valid take because of how they handled the puppet thing. Yo, imagine you like 10 minutes late to Candyman and you have no clue why these fucking puppets are here. Imagine you two minutes late to Candyman. You have no clue why these puppets are here. Yeah, the popcorn line wasn't moving fast enough. Oh my God. But even then, like we only see this kid with the puppets one time. So we yeah. don't know that all these puppets are his puppets. Maybe every prophet of a candy man gets handed a box of puppets as a child and they <laughs> all become short filmmakers slash laundromat owners. We don't know. We don't know. We do not know. I also legitimately thought the movie was two and a half hours long. 
When I turned my phone on at the end, no, it was an hour and a half. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It was an hour and a half? It's an hour and 36 minutes, I think, with credits. With credits? Oh, yeah. Because I. Time not mattering anymore. That felt way longer than that. I turned on my phone and I was like, it is, it's an hour and 31 minutes, including credits. That's crazy. I turned on my phone at the end and I was like, it's nine. This started at seven thirty. It's nine. That's crazy, man. It's like, did we hit a fucking wormhole? What happened? <sighs> so bad, so bad. Did you ever see Waves that no. came out like twenty eighteen, like early twenty nineteen, whatever? Like, there are certain movies to where your acting can buoy it and i think waves is not good i think waves is if you watch it if you just want to see some actors act i think waves is really good at that and while it's overall the story is is not a good story the acting and the aesthetics of it you can at least have some reasons to kind of enjoy it or even just give it even just recommend it to someone to watch and they kind of make a decision for themselves this like was there's an hour and 31 minutes Marcus. There, there's nothing about candy man i would recommend anyone watching like not a single fucking thing and like in the in the crazy shit is like they don't even have good kills you're a horror movie you don't have good kills what's the point like what is the point can, can i just I have a a few things to unpack before we really get to the ending. Let's breeze past the the gay stereotyping that happened. Just right on by. But also, like, stop shaming people's wine choices. Fuck you. Moving on. Okay, let's get to the art gallery. Why did she clip him to her pants? What? First of all, first of all, just from a strictly, like, pants removing standpoint it is now significantly harder to remove either or both of your pants (laughs) exactly which is clearly what the intention of that encounter was but also why did they spend two minutes being like we're attached she i have something i'm gonna attach myself to like it really (sighs) smacked of like i had google watch 200 sex scenes and it wrote one like (laughs) through an ai (laughs) Like Hilarious. it did though. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I also think that this fell into a trap that I have noticed uh, with a couple of of Jordan Peele movies. Really, everyone except Get Out, but even Get Out has it a little bit, and even I think Lovecraft Country has it a little bit. He really, really likes explaining things. Exposition, like, oh, exposition, man. But in the <laughs> third act, he wants to be like. Okay, here's my whiteboard. Let's talk about the vision. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm, the vision's still happening. What are you doing? Put the whiteboard away, bro. Like, you gotta trust your audience to get it. Yeah, and I feel like like Get Out had some hand holding, but not as a little. But it wasn't super heavy though. No. And then I feel like Us was like, I'm gonna just carry you down these stairs because I, I don't think you can do it by yourself. Yeah. And every like, movie he's like, every episode of the Twilight Zone that he was involved with, he was like, let me just like throw you in this rickshaw real quick because I don't think you can take this very short walk. And you're like, no, I got this. And he's like, nope, I got you. And like, it, he doesn't. It makes everything worse. I don't want to defend it necessarily, but let me try to think of where he's actually coming from. Because even in a movie like Get Out to where you have a white guy saying, oh, I would have voted for Obama a third time. Like, you don't need to explain that. Like, we we understand sort of the undertones of what, like, Black folks been hearing that, and then we, we still hear it. And it's like, we get it. You know we what movie handles that it. really well? What? Knives Out. Yeah, Knives Out was really good at that. And they I, didn't I, over-explain it. Yeah, they didn't. And I think the I think the biggest challenge with, and maybe, I don't know if it's a challenge for the actual Black writers and directors themselves, or when they approach studios with these kind of messages, there is a thing to where 
when you're trying to talk about racism and you're talking about kind of bigotry, there's a certain thing to where you try to have as little gray area as possible. Like you try to be very kind of truthful and thoughtful about Mm -hmm. what is racist or what is bigoted. But the thing is, when you're crafting a movie and when you're crafting kind of art, you can tell that message in a slicker and subtler way. Like when I say they explain gentrification four different times, like that was not an exaggeration. They, they did it within the first 45 minutes and it's like, you keep and then they tried to do it again at the end no reason yes like i said like when they open with the the boy playing with the the puppets and the police brutality puppets like that to me that was when i was like no we were going in the wrong way already and also these are these are kind of the, the children of spike lee where we grew up with spike lee and spike lee is someone that do the right thing where it's like really in your face. But the thing is, like that movie was made in like the 80s when there was no other films doing conversations on race. Mm-hmm. And and there's also an artistic side to Spike to where he'll give you both. Like he'll give you the in your face sitness of it, but then he'll do some artistic shit behind it to where it at least kind of balances out. Yeah. With this this movie, it just can't, it doesn't achieve both. And so you're kind of left with these like these after school special messages about race. Yeah. It's, and it's like, oh, no, that's no. that's really a lot of it. The other thing that that really threw me off is like, I don't think we ever saw any like joy that got taken by the black, like for the modern black cast. So yeah. when it starts at the beginning, he's not painting. He's not doing well. By the way, the idea that this artist is being haunted by this urban legend and they're inspiring his work through their mer- such a what that should work. That sounds yes. like a slam dunk. Yes. And he's dating an art promoter who is so excited he's working again, but is becoming increasingly unsettled by the depravity being portrayed in his work. Yes. Why doesn't that work? Like, like I will it, say it though, lined up the shot so well. And yeah. then somehow it like, it didn't even hit the hoop. Like, I don't understand. I will give them credit. The, the paintings that he did, the last paintings, those were creepy as fuck. I'll give them that. And so if she like stumbles on just a room full of those and she's like, yo, he's bugged the fuck out. And yes. he's about to turn to Candyman. Like, you ha- like they that had made more sense there. than what they were trying to do with the bee sting and the infection and the fire chose him when he was born. Oh, you know what man. it should have been? He summoned Candyman. Candyman starts killing all the white people, correct? Great. And he is getting all this inspiration and he doesn't know where it's coming from but it's getting violent and darker as Candyman is killing more people yeah then in a fit of passion he's mixing with a palette knife and he lops his arm off but he doesn't even notice because he's painting so much yeah and he wedges the palette knife in his arm and he keeps painting and then his wife comes home and she sees this horrible scene and she screams and she screams and someone downstairs calls the police. Ah. That's how they get in the apartment. That's how he gets killed. That's how the Candyman legend continues. Yeah. Because for me, I figured out where this was going when he went to the doctor. Because I don't know if you saw, but the way that they did his cast, he had two fingers bent. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they're they're going to turn him into yeah, Candyman. And OK, see, I was really hoping that the infection was psychosomatic. He was going to go to the hospital and they were going to be like, uh, nothing's tragedy, wrong yeah. with you. That would have been, I mean, been dope, too. Yeah, there cool. are so many better choices they could have made than the choices they made. By the way, that uh, makeup job on that was disgusting. And I mean, that is the highest compliment like that so, was. Yeah. It was really well executed, but that gore 
didn't even seem meaningful. It seemed like a dumb exercise in misery. <laughs> I would have much... <laughs> Yaya Abdul-Mateen II should have, instead of having those moments of like weird, depressed silence that frankly weren't that different from him as an artist who couldn't make art, he should have been having these moments of like manic inspiration. And I feel like he got a couple moments like that. Yeah. But like, imagine if that scene at the end where she comes in and sees all these paintings, she starts screaming and he doesn't even notice. Yeah. Because he's in the work. He's in the vision. Yeah. You know, so- there's so much more. Instead of making him this weird, despondent, passive character that he turns into in the last third of this movie where they're just dragging him around like a bag of rocks. <laughs> He's, he's just on a ride. At one he's point. not a character by the end of the movie. He is not. He is totally not. And so then when they do the whole like the candy man is the protector of the weak thing that they try to pull out at the end, it doesn't land because you know what? He never protected her. He was never even really nice to her. Yeah. And he certainly didn't seem to give any type of a shit in the last third of this movie. So why am I expected to believe that? he would come back to protect her unless it wasn't about her. It was about just killing the bad men, except they really tried to make it seem like it was about her because they had a lot of meaningful eye contact. (laughs) And like, it, it wasn't like meaningful eye contact. Like I don't even recognize you anymore. It was like, that was the first time it looked like he loved her in the whole damn film, and there were bees <laughs> in his eyes. Basically. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Malachi. And this is Alejandra. And you're sitting on the couch, and your life is passing you by because you're not watching Insert Name Here. Catch us Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you missed us, you can catch us on Friday on Spotify and Amazon. Yeah, obvious nonsense, gang, gang. Hyphen Podcast Squad, you never take us down. Even the way they handle, like, Burke's character, if you're going to tell a story about generational Black trauma and Black pain and how that's manifested into contemporary times, if they would have had him be Candyman... That may have made more sense because, like, he he obviously he watched, uh, he watched the guy get killed, but he was just so like obsessive with like that kind of trauma mm-hmm. that it just manifested into like ultra violent ways against white people. Like, if they if they kind of tell that kind of story, okay, that's at least based in some semblance of reality even though it doesn't happen in real life like that's still based in something mm-hmm. but this but this <laughs> this character at the end was just completely off the rails like it was just so strange it was very fucking strange man like and and he's a good actor too that's that's the whole thing man like they wasted a lot of talent in this movie a lot of talent i they mean tayana parish is great she was good in um I liked her in uh WandaVision. I enjoyed her. But... And she sure is in this movie. She like, is in this movie. <laughs> she does She's nothing of value. She doesn't even really get like a scream queen moment. I was hoping we were at least gonna get like a, a good, like some good fear. There were no good screams in this movie. And there were like, no good screams at all. They didn't let her be a scream queen because she had to be a girl boss, I guess. <laughs> Cal, um, I thought you knew girl bosses can't be screen queens. <laughs> well, right, but like, can I can I just by making her a girl boss who like doesn't really get to be vulnerable? Yeah. I feel like doesn't that also kind of play into some stereotypes of black women? Oh, it does. Like the even the idea of she's basically like the conduit of saviorism for like black men like <laughs> like this her, black her gay brother is the one who gets to have the feelings yeah so it, it's really a stereotype sandwich like this oh man it's so it's so strange like because the first movie was you know made by you know mostly white people if not all white people and it's kind of like all right 
directors and writers in the early 90s not having the pulse on black america and black history okay you don't got to sell me a lot to teach me that lesson but for this generation of black producers and writers and directors to to still make those same gaffes really fucking strange to make those same arrows is really fucking strange so and and then think that they like they would know better they have the movie that has the problems (laughs) they said you know what let's just take cooler pictures and make the same problems with worse kills halloween 2021 ladies and gentlemen like and and also the ending (sighs) So is he a, a superhero now? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's ooh, that is a ooh, ooh. can 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 you add in sound effects on the pod? Is that allowed? Absolutely, I can. Yes. Okay. Might I suggest you add some bees over this? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Six chambers. chambers. Hang on, I gotta find the exact line because I don't want to get it wrong. The mask isn't for you. The mask is to protect the people you care about. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, that was kind of the vibe at the end, right? Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, don't use that one. Use this one. The bees are not for you. The bees are to protect the people you care about. (laughs) Jeez. Oh, man. Did did you mean, did you mean bees? Bees. Jesus Christ. Bees Christ. I also feel like the bees did nothing like there's so, like the, the he got one bee sting and it turned into like nightmare fuel and that's fine whatever but like that's it yeah had bees in, in the you first know what two movies people are afraid of bees <laughs> i should know i had a hornet invasion recently <laughs> and i agreed to go see candy man before said hornet invasion and then I had the Hornets and I was like, I want to see this fucking B movie, homie. Also, okay, I'm sorry. I just, this is something that has been bothering me. So he's called Candyman. Yes. Because the guy in the 70s had the candy. <laughs> nah, what they... was he called before that? Because that's the... how the movie presents it. The uh... original movie is like, he's called Candyman because this guy who I guess they're trying to code as developmentally disabled but they really uh, don't do that that was also bad like to give children candy and then he got murdered so let me let me back up a lot of steps right now so so the candy man name origin it actually you can actually see it in the second candy man movie feral to the flesh to where he and if you don't watch that movie that is perfectly fine <laughs> so basically when when the white group killed them and they smeared honey on them uh one of the little white boys who was there like literally a white boy he was probably like seven or eight years old uh they smeared honey on him and the white kid he licked honey off of his fingers and he just got the light bulb moment candy man and then all the other racist white people just start saying Candyman, Candyman. And that's what the name originally comes from. And now how do these other people kind of know this generations later? Your, your guess is as good as Someone mine. Someone asked the white people, like, hey, what did you call this man <laughs> as you watched him die? Like, Basically. I... To go back to your point originally, as far as what they lacked from the original to this one, like, there's a level of, like, and another reason why people love the original so much is just like black goth. Like Tony Todd in the original, he he was actually really effective as Candy Man. Like he was like the deepness of his voice, like his stature, and like I said, the coat is just 
so fucking fire. He elevated that character in a lot of dr- dr- overly dramatic ways, but it was really effective because, I mean, it's a horror movie. And so mm-hmm. the level of creepiness that he actually has is really, really fucking dope. Helen. Yes? Helen. Who is that? Who is that? Helen, I came for you. Do I know you? No. No. But you doubted me. I'm sorry, I have to go. No need to leave yet. When I'm late? You are not content with the stories. So I was obliged to come. character at all like there's a level of like anxiety that there's different anxieties that the movies do the first the original it it builds anxiety because you're just thinking of death around the corner but Mm -hmm. in this one the anxiety is because well i'm black and white people crazy (laughs) right but they also reveal that so early on that it's kind of hard to be anxious about it because yes. you're like, all right, so Candyman's gonna kill all these white people, or one of these white people is gonna snap. Like, yes, cool, great. I already know what's gonna happen. I also just did you stay until the end of the credits? Uh, yeah, I watched the entire thing. Yeah, did they uh have the message at the end of the credits about oh, like my god? I wanted to take a picture and tweet it and throw my phone. Like, oh. You want to tell the people at home? Do you know what he exactly said? It's basically like <laughs> For additional like, resources about race relations and reparations. Oh, please oh. visit candymanmoviecom slash resources. I w- I became so I was I was in a public space. There were no other black people there. In Texas, I really wish some other black people there. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Just... Candymanmovie.com slash impact. It, oh, and, oh my god. Hashtag tell everyone. Like I was I was incensed. Like I was I was so fucking mad. Like it was I will so just strange. Say, the resources that they have here, very interesting. I'm very it, intrigued by this. But they also have a, a whole section of art based Candyman off of, art? yeah, based off of Candyman. Oh my like god! Like it really, it really seems like an ad, like significantly more. There's one where someone wrote Cabrini and candy wrappers, and there's a portrait of Anthony's mom that says, "Shh, don't say that." And it's like, oh come on! Oh, we didn't even get to this. Say his name. Say say her name thing that they did in this movie like co co well, I think that's why they changed it to tell everyone isn't it well in no I movie, mean the like hashtag oh, okay well I guess I don't know about hashtag there's but... a syllabus there's an official companion guide to Candyman 
Jesus Christ, man. I'm not doing a fucking book report to watch this fucking movie, man. Like, uh, I am. I just downloaded oh it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, This is a 55-page PDF. No fucking way. Like, a thematic you... exploration. Oh, man. Our only charge here is that you hashtag tell everyone what you learn here and continue those conversations forward. Oh, man. I am all for making resources publicly available. I'm all for putting them in in shiny packaging so people will read them. However, comma, this ain't it, chief. Say her name, say his name, parallel. Was upsetting, but also I'm not trying to be semantical here, but like community engagement and leadership, especially through social media, is like what I'm trying to do for a living. Nobody says his name. They call him Candyman, which we are now learning from Candyman 2, Farewell to the Flesh, or whatever the fuck it's called, is... Is... (laughs) Uh, See, that's... 90s whore should do that. Is the name... Is the name that the people who killed him gave him. That's not his name. So we are not saying his name. We are saying the name of the amalgam that they've lumped several murdered black individuals into over generations, which is the exact opposite of what the Say Their Names movement is about. This movie is completely convoluted. Like, like... Because the whole point... <laughs> If, if you don't know what we're talking about and you're like upon the struggle bus right now, you're like, I don't understand the semantical differences here. Go ahead and listen to Hell You Tom Bout. We'll give you seven minutes and you can come back. Take a pause. We'll wait. Because the idea is that by humanizing these people whose lives were ended too soon, it will encourage people to stand and it will encourage people to remember that these were people. These aren't lines on a spreadsheet. These aren't amalgams of generational trauma. These are all of those things as well. But first and foremost, they are people. Yeah. With the exception of like them kind of mentioning the stories a little bit. And again, they only mention the first Candyman and the most recent Candyman, which means there's like a 120-year gap. So there's theoretically two to three candy men unaccounted for in the middle there. We are not saying their names. We are literally calling them the thing their oppressors called them. Because also in the 70s one, if we're going to roll over to that guy, because they do explain his backstory pretty thoroughly in this movie, that's what the people called him when they thought he was a serial killer. Yeah. The white police and newspapers branded him the candy man even though he was innocent and i don't understand how someone didn't pick up on that since they're doing this round table with the langston league and all these other really intelligent black people i don't know who this is for one of the last points to kind of make about the movie is who is this movie for what lessons are we supposed to be learning from this movie? And in itself, horror movies, generally speaking, they can have subtext to what like stories they want to tell. But I'll be damned if I ever see Wes Craven doing a fucking thesis statement with a, a, a fucking PowerPoint presentation on the meaning behind Nightmare on Elm Street. I think especially the Jordan Pillness of everything. And we gave him a lot of credit for Get Out, which he deserved. But now it's kind of like we're, we're getting too lost in the weeds of wokeness. Like, it, And it's funny because even the idea of being woke, that was at one point a thing to kind of have a badge about. But then that became parody for people who took themselves way too seriously. We're we're in those weeds now. Like Get Out was like the first step of we have black filmmakers who can tell a great story if we give them the chance to. Now we're kind of in a way of we're gonna burden you with some shit that 
you may not be successful with, but you just got to do it. Like it's your duty as a black filmmaker. I would, I would love to have like an honest conversation with the director and Jordan pill about, I, I want to talk with the writers and I'm aware that the director is one of the writers. And uh, I'd also love to chat with maybe the editor. Cause I, I really want (laughs) to know who made what decision, where and why. Because is this her vision for the movie? Because I was I was thinking about this a lot, right? And I feel like the Nia De Acosta script and the Jordan Peele and co-writer whose name I don't remember and I feel bad about script seem like two different scripts and they just banged the two of them together until the pages kind of shuffled up and they were like, yeah, that'll do. And that's another a thing that we probably won't get a real answer on. Like the thing of... Can your vision be properly executed? What was her hurdles in making this? Because I feel like on the surface, the tradition of Black horror, but then it's like there's another kind of aspect to what this all means as far as when you're like a Black filmmaker or you're just a Black person doing anything, especially when you're trying to do like this like public kind of art thing. You're always kind of under the guise of, you have the history of blackness behind you. So you have to do things to elevate blackness, mm-hmm. which is it's 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 an unfair burden that a lot of black people live with today. I live with it, Kellen lives with it, Eric lives with it. It's we have to live with it. it it's not by our choices, by what society has done. And so even the idea of the movie comes with an essay about black horror movies lets you know that they are aware of that as well. White motherfuckers ain't doing this. Like Wes Craven is not, did not have to do a thesis statement on white horror directors before him. He didn't. But, and that's, that's the kind of point I'm getting to. It's like, what kind of pressure did they fall under to get this completed? And when we're talking about the ham-handedness, I'm assuming that there had to have been drafts of the script that were way more nuanced, that the producers and the money people just did not think audiences would get it. And, and then we get this that's telling you what gentrification is by four different people in the same conversation within 30 minutes of each other. So... I, I think there's a lot, it was a lot of pressure to make this movie and, and the actors themselves, all young actors, all young black actors, like none of them leading people in a movie. And this is like the shot, like, and this is the director. This is her shot. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they, they must've felt immense pressure to get this done and to, to kind of continue the legacy of what Candyman means to like a lot of black horror fans. But I think the I think there's a lot of failing with this movie. There's not a lot of good things to extrapolate from this movie. And I think if if there's like an honest conversation with them about what the movie wanted to achieve versus what it did, I think there's a lot of gaps that they had to that they had to sacrifice. So I, I wish I I hope there was. Because if they made this script the way it was and they, they sent it in the way it was and the editor, like, like, <laughs> like to me, there has to be some, there should have been someone to step up and just say, we had, we delayed this for a whole year. Looking at this in 2021, this shit just does not look right. We need to kind of figure out a way to how to make this better. And I honestly feel like big if, if this movie had come out at the end of last summer. I don't know if it would have been better received. Oh no. I do no. feel like it would not have more people would be talking about it. Because we everyone would have saw it. Like everyone would have saw this opening night. And it yeah. would like like that Thursday opening midnight showing of like horror black horror fans. White I just w- fans. I wish this was we would have known it was terrible at- back then. I wish this was good enough to actually spark a conversation instead of about how bad it is. Yeah. And I I feel like with very few exceptions, this is not going to wake anybody up to the horrors of racism in any sort of positive way. Because if nothing else, the message you're left with at the end of the movie is, oh, don't worry about your black communities. Candyman will protect us. Yes. Which, what the fuck? 
like one of the things that was super jarring to watch was when the cops came to to, to get the, the guy to kill him and they were like running into the laundromat it, it looked like there was 50 cops running in and it, it reminded me of the matrix 2 when all the smiths were running in to get neo and it was just like <sighs> there was a way better way of doing things i i'm uh finding some typos in this guide i mean this whole movie is a typo <laughs> this whole fucking movie is a typo like oh man 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 they imagine high school and college people teaching courses on this movie yeah they do like that's what this is like that's that's and that's the burden of being black in this country like if i want to make a movie i have to plan out some fucking curriculum (laughs) like let me just make a fucking movie because like oh god damn imagine paul thomas anderson just like i'm i want to make this movie but you know what thesis statement you know what course credits like wes anderson like shows up with 45 pages a 45 page syllabus ready to go like the ta passing you the spark notes link like yeah come on man like it's being black is exhausting (laughs) it's fucking exhausting (laughs) oh man jesus too much too too much man 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 so yeah i gave it a one star on letterboxd follow cat at cat underscore chinetti on twitter twitch instagram and letterboxd follow marcus at showin mad love on twitter and letterboxd follow our twitter page at cat and mark and read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?